0: Good evening and welcome to the Spirit and Life Bible Study. My name is Jonathan. Our reader is Cara tonight. And our topic is the nexus, part one, the problem. Let me define a little bit about what a nexus is. If you look it up, it's, it's from a Latin root that has to do with connection. The same, that N-E-C in connection, nexus, N-E-X, has the same sort of root. Sometimes you even see the word connection with a C-O-N-N-E-X, don't you, I-O-N. Uh, the nexus is a point of connection. So And it can also be used to mean something that's absolutely central. Like if you had these two things that can't talk to each other and then you have something in the center that's able to talk to both, that would be a nexus. It would be a point of connection and where all the signals would go through there kind of thing. So what I'm arguing in this series is that this is the role that Jesus played by being born into this world. He was the nexus. And I want to talk tonight about what the problem, you know, why did he need to come into the world? What was the problem that he was solving? And then uh, in future episodes, we'll talk about, you know, how we can, um, how we can connect through the, the possibility that's there and so on. And the root problem of this, when you think about it, the difficulty of connecting. I don't know, dear friends, if you've ever had difficulty connecting with another human being. Uh, but it can be challenging and it's amazing that it can be challenging with someone who purportedly speaks the same language you do, uh, grew up in the same culture, you know, knows many of the same references and so on. It can still be so difficult to feel like you're just, are you talking across purposes or what, what's going on? And um, tr- just try to magnify that by, like, what is the compatibility between the divine? And what is, what is finite, you know, the infinite. Like to have a connection, don't you usually, when you form a connection with someone, isn't it about something shared? You have a shared passion about something or a shared experience or, or something like that. And uh, you work together on the same things or something like that. And uh, so how do we form a connection with the divine infinity? This is sort of the problem that Jesus coming in the world was aiming to solve. And, uh, of course, we're talking about this because Easter's coming up on April 16th. And so we're looking ahead to that. So we'll have a series about the nexus and about that, how that connection can be formed. So if you're willing, join me on that little journey, good friends. And let's open with a prayer, shall we? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are the one God of heaven and earth. We pray to you now, Lord. We invite your presence among us this evening. Please be with us as we open the pages of your word, as we try to understand your incarnation, your coming into this world. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friends. Very good to be with you. Sending love to those of you out online and on the phone and getting the audio podcast. Great pleasure to be with you again. We were blizzarded out last week, and um, you can still see sort of drifts of snow around here, and it suddenly turned savagely cold again this evening, it seems. So interesting weather we're having this year. Um, Okay, the problem of connecting. Uh, Two things I want to do tonight. uh, It's a little different Bible study than usual, but two things I want to do is I just want to read a few passages about the problem of connection uh, that I think, you know, speak to that issue of, of disconnect, the, the problem. And then I also want to tell you a made-up story uh, to try to reflect something that Swedenborg says was going on in Jesus' coming into this world. You know, what, what was he doing? And so I've made up a story to try to illustrate some aspect of that. So that should be, at the very least, entertaining and baffling. Um, okay, let's start. Let's just go to Genesis Chapter 46 in the left of your Bible there. And uh, um, let's just read that very last. uh, Well, here, uh, let's read. This is when the Israelites, this is about two different populations. These are the Israelites, and they're getting together now with the Egyptians. And the Egyptians and the Israelites are quite different. So this was a passage about disconnection. And uh, let's start at verse 31 there. That's good.
1: Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, my brothers and those of my father's house who were in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds for their occupation has been to feed livestock. And they have brought their flocks, their herds, and all that they have. So it shall be when Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? That you shall say, your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth, even till now.
0: Now wait, they're, they're shepherds, but they're supposed to say livestock? Why, why is that? Go on. From
1: our youth, even till now, both we and also our fathers, so that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Oh, Uh you
0: can't say shepherd to the Egyptians, because that's an abomination. In fact, when you read the Joseph story, we did had some fun with Joseph a while ago. Um... You can see from the story of the children of Israel coming down to see Joseph, and he was completely in Egyptian dress and speaking Egyptian language. There's a a difference of how they dress, there's a difference in their language. They have a meal, you may remember, and all the Egyptians have to sit at one table and the Israelites at another table because they're completely incompatible in their diets. And now we find out that you can't even say what you do for a living. Because being a shepherd is an abomination, you know. So two people who live close together in the same part of the Middle East and cannot get along in language, dress, culture, language, diet, or religion. You know, like, (laughs) completely incompatible, you know. Uh, So this came to mind. Like, how difficult is it to try to make a connection? And yet, as we talked about in in the series about Joseph before, Joseph is... A nexus. He is Israelite, but he looks like an Egyptian, and he's a respected leader of the whole Egyptian uh, world. Uh, He's basically running the country at that point. The Pharaoh has made him in charge of everything, taking care of the famine and so on. So he's a bridge across these two incompatible cultures. You know, it, it It's just an interesting image that when you have someone who is both Israelite and, in effect, Egyptian, he speaks the language, he does the dress, he he knows how to, uh, you know, the diet and all that stuff. Um, He practices divination, he has his own cup, and that seems like an Egyptian thing, not an Israelite thing. And, And so he's a bridge between these two cultures, and that has to do at a deep level with Jesus being a bridge, a nexus between the divine and human. Not that, you know, one of the, like, it's not a perfect map in terms of Israelites and the Egyptians. Uh, That's more about two different levels within us. But I like that image of Joseph being part of both cultures. Think, too, about Moses. Wasn't Moses also part of those two cultures? He was an Israelite but he was adopted more or less by the Pharaoh's daughter and raised as an Egyptian. Uh, he, he dressed that way. He knew the language. And, you know, there's another one. Isn't it interesting that we have these images in Scripture of these people who are a point of connection? So Moses can go talk to Pharaoh because he speaks Pharaoh's language. A regular Joe or Jane Israelite, how are you going to get an audience with the Pharaoh? What are you going to say? You can't speak the language. There's no connection. They're incompatible. But Moses was able to create a moment. He had some tough things to say to Pharaoh, but you could even have the conversation because he was a, a point of connection. He was a nexus. Okay, here's another one. Turn to the right and go to Judges. So we go through Deuteronomy and all that, Joshua, and then Judges. And I want to dip quickly here into um, Judges chapter 14. Um, There's this fascinating figure of Samson. Now we're dealing with different cultures. We have an Israelite culture and we have a Philistine culture. And those cultures too were quite incompatible with each other and different, different approaches and so on. But Samson... Seems to be uninterested. Uh, he's a fascinating character. He's uninterested in the Israelites. He's working totally for the Israelites. But he's always trying to connect with the Philistines. Try to make a connection across this gap that you can't really connect. Look at the first few verses of Judges chapter 14 there.
1: Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Mm-hmm. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him,
0: is A speech, by the way, that no other parents have ever given. What, is he, what do they say?
1: Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? <laughs> And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well.
0: Ah, but the next verse has an interesting little behind the scenes.
1: But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. For that time, the Philistines had dominion over
0: Israel. Interesting. So the Philistines are dominating over the Israelites, and Samson and the Lord working through Samson wants to... Connect so as to re-jigger this relationship, you know, like to get the right thing on the top and that kind of thing to 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 undo this this negative dominion that's going on. And so he is drawn to this. So he's trying to cross this gap between the Israelite culture. So you see why I would bring that up tonight, that the Israelite and he wants to get together with a Philistine. It's just fascinating. Now it goes uh, absolutely horribly. Um, they have this long wedding, and Samson poses this riddle that nobody can answer. And uh, the, finally, they answer the riddle toward the end of chapter 14. And, uh, and he gets angry, and he uh, kills 30 people in order to pay off his part of the bet by taking their clothes. And he's angry, and he goes back up to his father's house. And in verse 20, what happens to his wife?
1: And Samson's wife was given to his, compa- to his companion, who had been his best man.
0: Yeah, okay. That didn't go very well. So he's, you see what I mean? He's trying to make this connection. But, and they even get married. It was like, God, it all falls apart. And he goes back home, and she goes off with the best man. Okay, that's great. And he tries to visit her later, and the father won't let him go in. And he's mad again, and he takes 300 foxes and burns all their fields. And uh, then later, uh, we'll skip the part in the beginning of chapter 16 where he goes to Gaza and sees a Philistine harlot and goes into her. Uh, He just can't stay away from these Philistines. And then you have the great story a little later. Look at verse 4 in chapter 16.
1: Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah.
0: Oh, yes. You heard of Samson and Delilah? Yes. How did that go for him? You know, once again, he's trying to connect. He's trying to be a point of connection between these cultures and trying to redo the relationship or something. Uh, But all of these stories speak to me about trying to cross that gap, trying to get over this incompatibility or or this this distance between people. Uh, Let's turn to. Isaiah, why don't we go into the middle of our Bible and look at Isaiah, I just want to read one um, verse that came to mind, these are just quite, quite random tonight, but uh, Isaiah 53, um, it's an obvious chapter that, uh, that Christians certainly take as being a foretelling of the coming of the Messiah into the world, and in Isaiah 53, verse 3, what do we read as this prophecy about the coming Messiah?
1: He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him.
0: Yes, a very, very sad. So the idea is that even if he came into this world... He's going to be despised and rejected, you know, even by coming in this world as a human being. He's not going to be able to connect with people. He's going to be despised and rejected, and we hid our faces from him. We we, we didn't want to to connect. Um, Turn to the right and go through Jeremiah and Ezekiel to Daniel. I want to get to Daniel chapter 2. Flying through and looking at different images here, I want to go down to this image, the famous image uh, that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream and Daniel is explaining to him. Let's start in verse 31 of Daniel chapter 2.
1: You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before Mm. you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay.
0: Okay, so gold, fine. Silver, fine, bronze, fine, iron, fine, but those feet that are partly of iron and partly of clay. If you picture iron and clay, isn't that an image of not getting like what what gorilla glue you know like how would you get those to get along with each other and turn into one? They're, they're just not going to be one one thing. They're they're two entirely different types of substances. But it's okay because it's just the feet. It's not like you stand on the feet. It's not like they're important or anything. You know, <laughs> having this. And even within the image from top to bottom, there's a kind of an incompatibility, isn't there? Where it's, it's like all glorious at the top and then by the bottom. And how terrible to have a sort of crumbly, rotten foundation, you know, like it, it, didn't, it didn't connect. It, it, there's there something disconnected at the bottom, and this was a problem. And um, go ahead. Verse 34, let's just do that.
1: You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image of its, sorry, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. It's
0: interesting that it didn't strike any other part of it, but it was this vulnerable part of these feet that are just, like, how do you even, it's hard to even picture, like, how would that be one thing? It's not really one thing. And that was the vulnerable part and that's what this, this stone uh, struck. And then verse 35.
1: Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together mm. and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Mm.
0: That's really amazing. So they finally achieved togetherness. These five different substances, they achieved togetherness in their, in becoming chaff and blowing away. You know, they they all got crushed. You know, it was like, you know, like somebody who just like ah, you know, writing something and you ball up the paper and throw it in the wastebasket and start again. Um, but this stone becomes a great mountain and fills the whole earth. I want you to keep that image in mind, because that's that's very important. Again, these are predictions about the future, and they have to do with the Lord's coming into the world. Uh, let's go to Matthew, into the New Testament here, chapter 8. And pretty soon we'll get to the ridiculous story. All right, Matthew chapter 8. Um, let's start at verse 18 here. I am very interested to note that in verse 17, there's an allusion to that passage we just read from Isaiah 53. It's from the next verse, but Isaiah saying, he took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Interesting. Verse 18.
1: And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head.
0: Do you see why we would read that tonight? Foxes are all set. They're, They're fine. The birds have nests. But even though God himself has come into this world to connect with us, He can't connect. He has nowhere to lay his head. So this person says, "I'll follow you wherever you go." Well, I don't have any. You know, uh, you know, I'm I'm not at home here. Like this is not. I'm not being received. Um, uh, There's also this powerful story in Matthew chapter 21. Let's read at verse 33.
1: Here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country.
0: Okay, so he's gone far away, okay?
1: Now when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Mm. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did likewise to him. Then, last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son.
0: Now, this is an effort to, you can certainly see it, can you not, as an effort to to reach out and connect. He, he wants to get the, the fruits, and every and things are going badly. The servants have been treated badly, so... Well, let's step it up. I'll send my son. Okay, how does that go?
1: But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. Mm. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers?
0: And those listening answered,
1: They said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons.
0: So, even if you came, you know, even if you sent the sun, it goes, there's it, a disconnect. You know, it's difficult to make this connection. So, what I'm driving at tonight is I want to set up the problem, the, the nexus. The, here's the problem How do you connect? You're divine and human. Even if God comes into the world, how do you connect? And let's read uh, one more scripture along these lines in John chapter one, that uh, chapter that talks about the word made flesh. And um, Let's read those first five verses of John chapter one.
1: In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it.
0: Yeah. So, the light shines in, it just, we don't understand. Problem, disconnect. Right? It can happen to the best of us. And uh, look down here in um, uh, verses 10 and 11, let's see.
1: He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him.
0: Did not receive him. Verse 12.
1: But as many as received him... (laughs) To them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name.
0: Yes, so it sounds like a blanket statement in verse 11 that nobody received him. Then verse 12 says, well, those who did, you know, it turned out well, you know. So it wasn't a complete loss. But you still have that verse 11 that says, he came to his own and his own received him not, you know. Very sad to think of, you know, the the, the uh, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Trying to connect, and we don't want to connect. So I want to tell you a story. There's something particular, and it actually fits with this image from Nebuchadnezzar about these different layers. So uh, this is not scriptural. It's based on things that Swedenborg says. I just made it up, and I'll tell you, Uh, after the silly story, what I think it's trying to be about, and, um, uh, you know, what the point is. Uh, But it's about disconnection, about the difficulty of communication. So, here we go. I've got an image for those of you who are getting the video. It's a story about an island, a strange island here not shaped like any other island that I've ever seen. It was shaped almost like an amphitheater, had these extremely steep sides, just rose up right out of the ocean with these extremely steep sides, and it kept going down under the water that same way, just like a funnel coming right up. And the only way, the only point of entrance into the inside, inside there was it was sort of scooped out, and it was actually a nice little environment in there, uh, and you had a little... Uh, salt, you know, water sort of lake in the in the center of it. But the only way in were these little openings right at sea level that were only a few inches across. Uh, So it was impossible for anybody to get in here. The holes are too small, you can't climb the sides. It's impossible. And yet there were a whole bunch of children living in there now this was in another world another strange reality here that i just made up but i'll tell you what's going on see there was this other sort of mainland over here off in the distance that was called gallimella and gallimella was a really wonderful place it had this wise and loving ruler who lived up on the mountain it had some people who lived lower down there a whole extended tribe of people Uh, they were people of the heart, and so they were known as the Lovies. And then lower down, there was another group who were more intellectual, so they were known as the Smarties. they so the Lovies and the Smarties, and you had the wise and loving ruler who was uh, over all of them. And there was a strong current that would wash from Gallimella over to this strange island shaped like an amphitheater. And the way that people in that world, this is a strange alternate reality, the way they would come about is that uh, people would come forth from eggs, and these eggs would come from Gallimella, and they would bob on the surface. They had enough air in them that they would bob on the surface, and they'd be carried by this tide over here to the island. And the eggs were small enough to fit in the holes. And so the water would wash them into this world in here of this strange little bowl of an island. And in there, the eggs would roll up onto the shore, and they would hatch, and there was suitable food for the children, and they would be able to eat and so on. And as the children got older, the older children in there would teach the younger children. They had no adults, there were no adults in that world, but the eggs would keep coming over from Gallimella and going into this island. And so you had a growing group of children in there older children and younger children. And uh, the wise and loving ruler of Gallimella wanted to communicate with these children who were over here. But it wasn't the time of technology. And there wasn't, how are they ever going to get a message across? What he wanted to convey to them was that their purpose in life was to eat enough food and to exercise, particularly by running up these steep walls of the sort of bowl. It gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Until one day, what they were supposed to do is run all the way to the edge and leap off into the ocean. and. The shelf goes right down so they won't, they won't hit the rock, and then they have to swim over to Gallimella, and everything will be great when they get there. They, they will be welcomed and, and well-loved there. But they, how would they know that, that that was what they were supposed to do unless there was some communication? So the wise and loving leader was occasionally visited by some of the best of the lovies, and he's talking to a lovey and he says, I'm really concerned about the children on the island. Like, what are we We've got to do something. And so the Loveys said, Yeah, we got to do something. So the Loveys couldn't figure out what to do, but they certainly shared the feeling. And so they went down to the Smarties and they said, Smarties, we've got to do something. How can we communicate with the children? So the Smarties thought and thought about it. And they thought, Well, I don't know. We can't, even if we had invented boats and we haven't yet, uh, we, we couldn't do anything if we got over there. About the best bet is to attach things to the legs of birds, albatrosses and seagulls and stuff, and somehow persuade them to fly over there and bring these little messages to the children who are in there, and hopefully they'll understand what the point of the communication is, that, oh, they need to eat and get strong and exercise by going up the size and then jump in and swim over to Gallimella. So, now, the problem that occurred was that this communication was kind of flimsy. I mean, the wise and loving one cares a lot and communicates with the lovies and they communicate with the smarties and the smarties send these birds over and the birdies come over and the older children are trying to teach the younger children. But it just can easily get messed up. What ends up happening at some point, some of the children do this and they go up to the top and they swim over and they're very, very happy over here and they tell the people on the island how things are going in there. But over time, one of the kids when it gets strong enough, goes up to the edge here and sees this other land called Negleb, which is right over here. Sort of an ugly land. But the current that comes from Gallimela goes all the way to Negleb. He realized you wouldn't even have to be a good swimmer. you just float your way over there. It'd be great. So I'm, I'm not going to Sweet, swimming upstream against the current and fighting hard to get it over to some places way far away. I'm just going to go over to Negleb and see what that's like. So the kid goes over there. Now, this is uninhabited so far. Here, there's this long ancient culture. There's nobody living over here. So it's just a child. And some other children see him do that, and they go over there, and they do that too. And there are nasty sort of fights that are breaking out over here, and it's not a good situation. The kids get sick. They get cut on the sharp rocks and various different things. And problems are also going on in here. And uh, as these eggs float over, some of them get more and more affected by their foul water that starts to come out from Negleb and starts to affect these eggs. And you start having kids born in there who are just don't want to be part of the program. And meanwhile, the kids who are over on this island of Negleb over here are sending their own messages over there with with bats and other hideous flying creatures. And their messages say, don't listen to the messages from Gallimella. They're lying to you. You don't even need to exercise. Fall off the top. The more you eat and the less you exercise, the more buoyant you will turn out to be. You'll just float right over here to Neglub and come and join us over here. Misery loves company. You know, come, come over here and join us. And more and more kids are, are taken with this message. And, of course, the thing about an island like this is that there's a lot of turnover because the bigger kids, you run out of food. You just, you know, it's a limited world. So they want to go off to Gallimella and eat more or to Negleb or something. And so the younger generation turns into the older generation, and they're teaching the younger generation. And when those bad kids, who are the young ones, turn out to be the teachers, they're teaching the kids bad stuff. And the wise and loving ruler is getting very distressed about this. What is he going to do? And the people are getting hurt in here, and people are getting sick, and they don't know what to do, and they don't know what the point is. And more and more of them are going over here. One comes over here and uh, goes to Gallimella and tells everybody, most of the kids now are going to Neglim, because you don't need to exercise, jump off the edge. Float on over. You can hear the noise of their casinos and the lights and everything, in the distance. It's just an attractive sort of world over there. And so they get drawn in by this. It's closer to hands, easy to get to, and everything. So I'm the first kid for a while who's come over to Galamella. Isn't that true? And then there was a later report where another kid swam across to Galamella, and she said, uh, A weird thing is happening in the island, which is that the kids, some of the kids have said, why leave it all? Why not just stay here? We'll just stay here. And so it was getting more and more crowded. and They were running. It was a limited amount of food in there and, and not well suited to these older kids. And more and more fighting was going on and starvation was threatening. It was a really, really bad scene. So the wise and loving ruler had one card up his sleeve. He had his plan B, which is that he knew that there was a magical way that he could put... You see, no adult could get over that. That's the whole thing. No adult can get in that. The holes are too small, sides are too steep, there's no technology, how are you gonna get in there? Can't can't do it. But he thought, I'm gonna put my spirit in an egg. The eggs are the key to the whole thing. I'm gonna put my spirit in an egg. It'll launch out from Gallimella, it'll float along the tide, it'll go in one of these holes, and I'll be born just like the other kids on the island there. And then I will be present among them. And I can do something about these problems. I can teach them, eat this. And no, it's actually Gallimela. Negleb is lying to you. It's horrible over there. They hate each other. It's violent. Come over here. Gallimela is wonderful. And here's what you need to do. Get strong. It's good. You'll enjoy it. And swim over there and, and, and come and join us. It's great. And so he's sending this message and sending this message. Some of the kids are listening. Some are not. Some still go off to Negleb. Some go the other way. But he is able to bust up this group. He's able to kick a lot of the older kids off the island. Like, just make up your mind. You know, go to Negleb. Go to Galamela. Don't hang out in here and just eat all the food and starve out the thing. Or else we're all done. Then you got no more kids. Nobody's coming to Galamela. Nobody's coming to Negleb. The whole the whole situation shuts down. So uh, the other thing that this spirit of the wise and loving ruler that's now present in this child on the island is able to do is that he knows a secret that nobody else knows, that if he runs up to the top, there's a particular spot on the top of this mountain. It's very hard to get to, but there's a spot that nobody knows about. And if you go up there and if you strike this rock in just the right way, something magical happens. He manages to get up the mountain and he gets up there and he smacks the rock And what happens is that he turns into the wind. And interestingly, so he has has the wise and loving ruler, he has the child, but now he's also the wind. And the wind is able to be present at once. When he was just a child among other children in here, he's sort of trying to shout, but some of the people don't pay attention and, and all this kind of stuff. But when he's the wind, He can be present with all the people who are on the island. Another advantage is that when he's the wind, he's in all the air, he's in the wind. He's able to be present with all the people in Negleb. He's able to be present over there too and now become ruler of Negleb and get people more organized and and tame some of the madness that's going on there and so on. And, side benefit, he's also able to be more present with the lovies and the smarties on Gallimella because he's present everywhere. And another fascinating thing happens, who knows if anybody even anticipated this, but what became possible was that since he was everywhere, everyone was able to be everywhere. The people on Gallimella, through him, could now see what was going on down here in this invisible place where all the children were. They could be present with them, they could help them. They could say, eat this, don't eat that, let me help you, you know, and provide help. These people could even be present with the people from Negleb. Everybody could see each other because of this new thing where he'd become the wind. And so everything went great. That's my story. And let me explain it a little bit to you now, if I may. What is going on here, as you may be able to tell, uh, I imagine you can tell that the island of Galamela is heaven. The wise and loving ruler is God. What I hope this story illustrates, there's something that you wouldn't necessarily know out of the way that I've told the story, uh, is that the children, the older children and the younger children, the younger children are you and me. We're the people on this planet. This is our the, our earth is in here, in this little island. The older children. Our, our friends and loved ones who have died and gone on to what's called the world of spirits, they're the older children, and we're together. We're in the same boat. The older children teach the younger children. What happened, Swedenborg says, is that you remember when the children just decided, I'm not even going to Neg- Neglib as hell, as heaven. It, it, people decided after a while, I'm not going to either of them. Forget it. And they amassed in there. They amassed in there, and because of their amassing, they were able to block all signals that were trying to come through. So God is trying to communicate, but the only way he can communicate is with the lovies. The lovies communicate with the smarties. The smarties communicate with the older children, and the older children communicate with the younger children. Whisper down the lane. This is the problem. That was the problem. The problem was whisper down the lane. And as long as everybody's doing okay and lots of people are going to Gallimella, we're all right. But the system seriously breaks down when these kids get all evil in here. You know? And when the younger kids are evil and the older kids are evil and almost everybody's going to Negla, you got a problem. Because how is God supposed to address that? How can he teach people? If they're misinterpreting the signals that come over on the legs of the birds, what recourse do you have? Four? Great. Okay, good. So I'll wrap this up in a second. We're running out of battery, which is a good, good signal. And uh, so uh, by becoming what the, what the wise and loving ruler means is the father. When he becomes the child, that's the son. And when he becomes the wind, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes that child who has the wise and loving ruler within able to be present to everybody. And ultimately, it's also, we don't cash in on it much, but it's possible for angels to see us, for us to see angels, you know, for every, everybody can see everybody now because he's everywhere, because he's, because he's connected everything. He's overcome the problem, but it's a long deployment to figure out what to do. All right, so that ends my thoughts for this evening. Thank you for your kind attention. Let's close with a prayer, shall we? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are the one God of heaven and earth, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for coming into this world. Thank you for becoming present to each one of us individually. Please teach us how we can be transformed by you, how we can connect with heaven and be one together again. Amen. Our Father who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's keep on repenting, friends. We can swim to (laughs) Gala